Welcome to Food Freedom Radio, where we plant and nourish the seeds of change. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a practical idealist, and a person who loves E.O. Wilson's belief that we need the unrelenting application of reason, a basic sense of kindness, and an understanding of who we are. Today we're going to be talking about the food system. Do we have a kind and sane food system? In the Twin Cities seven-county area, there's an average life expectancy of 82 years for those living in the highest income zip codes, but for those living in the lowest income zip codes, the life expectancy is eight years less, 74 years. How does the food system contribute? What are people doing in the Twin Cities area to improve the food system? In studio with us is Lindsay Bacher. She's with the Amherst Wilder Foundation, Elisa Banks, Program Manager with the Greater Twin Cities United Way, and Mia Ulysses with uh, Northside Fresh Coordinator and a Policy Manager for Appetite for Change. So welcome to the show. Okay. Thank you Thank so you. much for having yeah. us. So what does this word food system mean? Yeah, well, um, I think that it's interesting to see how the um, definition has gone from, I think, more of an institutional and educational and um, very internal term to something that you can talk about freely on a radio station or um, you see on social media and people getting involved. Um, but really a food system is just everything um, that has to do with food and the way that we consume it, purchase it, um, access it, grow it, um, basically everything about food. Um, the concept of a food system just looks at the fact that um, there's a lot of work that's taken in from the point of um, a plant being a seed, to a farmer growing it, to it getting onto a truck, into a grocery store or a food shelf, um, and in someone's hands and in their bellies, and that it's just um, a long process. So Alyssa with uh, United Way, so what do you think of when you think of a food system? Yeah, I mean, I think um, Mia's point is just spot on on all of the sort of interconnected dynamic components that make up how people and communities access food to eat. Um, it is a complex sort of interwoven web. You know, if you think of a spider web in a sense of all mm -hmm. of those little strands that connect together, um, I think of our food system in many respects um, kind of like that illustration. It is very much a system made up of interdependent parts that, um, you know, feed off of each other, that um, kind of vibe from each other, but also um, you know, can, can threaten each other as well. And so when we talk about the food system, we have to understand it from this really global kind of macro perspective that there's a lot of different pieces that go into it. At United Way, when we think about the food system, you know, we really look at how the people that are living in poverty and our greater Twin Cities area access that food system. And for us um, and for many of those people that are experiencing poverty, um, it's how they access the food system is unlike how people from other socioeconomic backgrounds do that may, you know, be more well off. Um, for many people that um, live in poverty, you know, accessing the food system means having to rely on food shelves or other sorts of um, nutritional programs that are, you know, free or are easy to access. It, it may mean that they're le eating less on a regular basis because they don't have the money to access um, and purchase the food that they want to. And so we really look at the food system from the, the sort of vantage point of how do we make sure that 
all people, especially our low-income people and residents that live in the metro area, have equal access to that food system and that they can thrive and live a productive and healthy life just like everyone else in the state. Right, because there is this lifespan expectancy. I think that's such a tragic figure. I know that was a figure that the Walder Foundation um, reported on. So tell us about the food system from, from that equity lens. Yeah, so I think when, so Wilder, one of the programs of the Wilder Foundation is the Twin Cities Mobile Market. Um, and so we're a grocery store um, on a bus that goes to a bunch of different sites. We have 27 sites, but we go to a lot of um, high rises and public housing and get to see what people, um, what their what their diets are like and what, uh, what food they're eating. And so seeing that where, there's a lot of low-income people in one place seeing what type of food stores are around. Is it, do they have any food stores? Is it convenience stores? What kind of restaurants are around there? Um, you really get to see um, a lot of the different pieces that make up the diets of people uh, living in public housing or on low incomes. And so uh, we know that different neighborhoods have different access. And so um, that's one thing that the mobile market is trying to change. And I think all of our projects. So describe this mobile market. Yeah, so we're a grocery store on a bus. Um, we drive around. We have 28 different sites. And, um, and people can go on your website and see where their bus is. So if someone wants to use it. Yeah, there's a schedule online. You can go. Anybody can come and shop. Uh, and all of our rates are below market. So we try to really make it affordable for people. Oh, but So people do buy their food from this mobile bus. It's not given. It's people pay for it. Yeah, we think that people, families know what they need for, for the food. Some people have dietary restrictions. And so um, we, people can come and shop on the bus, and it's just like a regular grocery store. Cool. And, and, you guys, uh, and there's going to be a meeting in Minneapolis that might allow you some special parking coming up Tuesday. Yeah, that's right. Mia knows more about that. Yes. Yeah. So something that um, has been um, really amazing to see uh, with Northside Fresh Coalition um, which is a network that is housed out of Appetite for Change and fiscally sponsored by Appetite for Change. And we work towards creating collaborative partnerships with those that are doing food work on the north side. And uh, one of the outcomes that we look at is how we can amplify the voice of the north side and amplify those that are living on the north side, that are fighting for the north side, um, and with our coalition partners, which is comprised of people who are working at organizations, businesses, uh, grocery stores, government agencies, and those that are just living on the north side as community members and residents. Uh, we've come together last year to create a food justice policy platform that identifies key policy areas that the city council in Minneapolis and that the Minneapolis Parks and Recreation Board could implement that would make it easier to access, sell, or grow food. So, and one oh. of the policies that made it onto um, our platform was for um, the city council to make an amendment to their mobile markets ordinance and um, the portion of the ordinance that states that they cannot park on the street. Um, something that is really important to the, the mobile market um, as one of our coalition partners is making sure that they get the exposure that they need to be able to have people um, know that they're there to shop on the bus and uh, allowing them to park on the street would be uh, really instrumental in them being able to increase their own exposure. And so there is a um, council member meeting um, next week in one of their economic development and regulatory services committee on Tuesday. Um, I believe it starts at 1.30 and there will be a short amount of time for the public to um, provide comment and input on the potential amendment to this ordinance. 
Yeah, this is a fun idea, a, a mobile market. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about how the history, how did this come about? Yeah, so um, we have a program director, Leah Porter, who in grad school was researching food deserts. And so she uh, developed the concept after a lot of research and looking at different models of what worked in other cities and put together this concept. And so um, Lisa works for the Wilder Foundation and so Wilder helped to launch the program. And uh, we started in 2014 um, with one bus and we serve St. Paul. And then uh, last year we expanded to Minneapolis. And so we have sites in North Minneapolis, Cedar Riverside, um, and we only sell healthy food. So it's uh, really a lot of um, fruits and veggies, lean meats, produce, milk, um, whatever, you know, the, the stuff that's in your grandma's pantry, basically. So um, it's really been I love the way you program. said that, the stuff that's in your grandma's pantry. Because <laughs> I, I, I like that because we were kind of talking about trying to get to this food system from the complex level because people are not eating enough fruits and vegetables. And that's really one of those things that are impacting our health and well-being and the health and well-being of the entire community. Yeah. Some of our customers, they come and they use the mobile market for their regular shopping on a weekly basis. Some people kind of pick up things between you know, regular trips to other grocery stores. Um, and so we feel a different need for a lot of different people. Um, but we are meeting our mission. Um, you know, around 50% of our sales are produce compared to our regular grocery store, which is 10 to 12%. So we're really kind of hitting that spot of helping people um, have access to healthy, affordable food. So we have about uh, two minutes in this segment. Go around and tell us a little bit about your organization. We'll kind of go around Robin here. So um, Lindsay, tell us about Wilder. Yeah, so Wilder, uh, we are you know in St. Paul to improve people's lives. Uh, we have 40 different programs. We've got um, everything from a mental health clinic to supportive housing to the Twin Cities mobile market. We have leadership programs, and then we also have Wilder Research, which provides a lot of, of the data and backbone for the work that people do statewide. And so we've been around 106 years. We're really grateful for the community support and a lot of our work is really focused on what can we do to help people have better lives. And awesome. And then Mia, you work with Northside Fresh and uh, Appetite for Change. Yes. So uh, Appetite for Change is an amazing organization that is on the North Side um, that was started by uh, two Native Northsiders and a Chicago transplant, all women who saw a desire to change their community and really make a positive impact that would last, uh, that started from the community, uh, by the community, and for the community. And the north side, we see a lot of people come in, try to evaluate and um, fund short-term projects and extract information without a long-term benefit to those that are living there um, and that have been living there for uh, their entire lives or for multiple generations. And so the amazing part about Appetite for Change is that um, we are um, mainly uh, black-led and, and run we have uh, own and operate the Breaking Bread Cafe, which Ooh. is probably our most popular. Yeah, and so anyone can stop by in the Breaking Bread Cafe. Oh, and yeah, 8 to 3, Monday through Friday. I think it's 9 to 4 on the weekends. Um, and we also have a youth employment training program where we get them out into the gardens. We have seven urban farm sites, show them how to grow food, give them some life skills and training outside of, of the garden that they can take with them and really just get them interested in understanding of food um, whether it's for their personal journey as they reach adulthood and, and enter into the next page of their life. Um, we also have Northside Fresh Coalition, which is the program that I manage. And most of our work, again, is focused on looking at how we can create collaborative partnerships and develop policies 
Great. We're going to take a little break and we'll be right back. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Hey Jude, don't make it bad. Take a sad So welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where, where we're talking with people who are trying to take a sad song and make it better. And we're looking at the food system. Um, and uh, on breaks, we're, we're kind of going around the table. Um, uh, Alyssa, do you want to tell talk about the United Way? And Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again for having us on your show today. It's such Love a... You great opportunity to talk about the important work that um, our organization as well as many nonprofit organizations across the metro area are doing. Um, I work for the Greater Twin Cities United Way. I'm a program manager there and I help to lead their food security portfolio. Um, United Way is a hundred-year-old organization that has existed in the Twin Cities area for, for a long time with a real focus on impacting issues that impact that affect people that are experiencing poverty. We work um, across different sectors with different institutional and organizational partners to really make long-term systemic kinds of changes. Um, towards the issues that um, really impact people's lives, like education, um, income, and access to uh, employment opportunities, to really ensuring that people have the basic needs and services that they need in order to survive and live a productive life. So, I mean, earlier today, I was talking to someone on a personal level, and, and they work at Walmart, and right now, paycheck time, they only had milk and cereal in their house, Absolutely. you know, and they have young kids. And so that type of food insecurity is happening at levels that I don't think people are, are aware of. I mean, it's 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 still a big problem. Not still, oh, it's a tremendous problem. Yeah, absolutely, Laura. I mean, I think one of the things that is important for people to understand is how poverty shows up here in the Twin Cities area and across the state. I don't think most people realize that one in four people in the Twin Cities, the nine-county metro area, live in poverty. That's one in four. And these kids are being people. raised in it. And there's all this new understanding about epigenetics. So it doesn't even affect them from right now, but it affects so many future generations that we have this epidemic of poverty yeah. in, a, in a sea of what seems like abundance. Yeah, absolutely. And we are a really um, wonderful state to live in for a lot of people, right? You know, even if you are living in poverty, I think people experience a state in many amazing ways. But I think that when you drill down into how people access the food that they need, how they experience um, you know, employment opportunities, how they seek education, there's a lot of disparities that exist between uh, many different communities, particularly those that are experiencing and living in poverty, as well as those that um, you know, are marginalized or communities of color. And it's really unfortunate because in a state of so much abundance, you know, that we have all those great inequalities. And I think that's really where United Way plays a really strong role, is helping to bridge those gaps, to tr address those inequalities through um, a range of different programs and services that we support. Um, we, you know, know that in the Twin Cities area that food shelf visits are on the rise. So when we talk about food insecurity, we've got to look at how poverty shows up in people's lives. United Way has been one of the largest funders of uh, food shelves and emergency food services in the last 10 years. Um, we work a lot with um, some of the largest 
um, emergency food systems providers to ensure that they have the resources that they need to serve the communities and populations that are really impacted by this issue. But we know that there's a lot of different components to this, right? We started off with this conversation of, you know, the food system is complex. Well, poverty is complex too. And we know that emergency food um, is one aspect of that ecosystem of um, ensuring that people have access to the food that they need. We also are doing some really important work to look at sort of long-term community solutions and how do we think about um, community in the sense that we're ensuring that um, all neighborhoods, regardless of where you live, um, can afford and support the basic infrastructure and resources that are needed for people to access the food that they need and the um, uh, the opportunities that they seek to choose as well. And that's where I think the work of our Full Lives Grant Program is really important. Um, Wilder as well as um, Appetite for Change are two of um, 14 different projects in that cohort. And they're really you know, leading incredible work to really transform that local community food system. That word transform is so important. So it's not just about fixing the 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 outcomes of our broken food system, but it's how do we actually move upstream and transform it to something that's more sane and kind. Do you want to pip, pop in here, Mia? Sure. I, I mean, the, the concept of transformation uh, resonates because those that have been living on the north side might have moved um, out of um, communities that were dangerous or they sought... Um, you know, an opportunity to be closer to their family from other states. Um, but it also goes back to the history of, of redlining and um, public housing um, in the early 1900s, where those, um, the Jewish and the black community specifically, were placed on the north side. And uh, we see the, the remnants of environmental dumping, um, waste dumping in North Minneapolis. Um, so when we're looking at our urban farmers trying to lift off sustainable businesses, they still have to approach um, the concept of environmental remediation because the soil is contaminated heavily. And you see that um, in South Minneapolis, particularly in the Phillips neighborhood as well. And so when you look at um, patterns that have um, emerged through um, past city planning processes or policies that have been passed or funding allocations or resources that have been devoted to areas um, that experience high levels of poverty, um, you notice the trends. And it's just uh, the same with the food system um, and the work that we're trying to do is, is really transforming it. And so uh, acknowledging that the people on the north side, you know, they don't want to leave. They love their neighborhood. We have a strong sense of, of pride. This isn't a place that we're sitting here saying, oh, woe is me, the poor brown people need help. It's beautiful. Uh, it's it's a beautiful. beautiful. It's got a beautiful view of downtown Minneapolis. <laughs> it does. And we want to keep it. Right. <laughs> and, and keep it and accessible keep and it livable. Accessible, affordable, livable for those that are there and those that contribute to our community. And joyful and joyful. Absolutely. But, and absolutely joyful. And But this fact that one in four people live in poverty, that didn't happen by accident. That was actually, that's the result of a certain culture that we have. Do you agree? I would say it's a certain culture that some people have. Oh, maybe. Okay. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, it, it, it's, it's really just institutional racism. And it's, it's hard for some um, individuals to conceptualize that institutional racism isn't this like, big amorphous cloud that hangs over our head. It, it's comprised of, of people, uh, people that have made decisions in the past and people that make decisions right now. And uh, the decisions that are made right now can either perpetuate uh, the conditions that people are living in 
or they can um, transform um, lives and they can transform environments and transform communities and, and make those spaces um, just as livable and wonderful as um, other areas that you see in other wards in Minneapolis that are more affluent and um, yeah. When I hear the word racism, I, I really love what Bob Marley said, is that vanity is the destruction of the soul. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think that as as someone who has that privilege, who is white, but but to really recognize that that superiority is such a vapid, it's a destruction of the soul, and that the, this potential of coming alive to each other and to the natural world is it, that to me is what represents sane and kindness, yeah. you know, and how we create a system that 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 reflects that and, and, and our potential to do that in the way that we eat. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think you know, race and class and power plays into so many factors of how we experience our lives, and I think it's really important that when we talk about solutions that. You know, we're not talking about just, um, you know, looking at sort of the evidence-based strategies, but we're really talking about distribution of power and ensuring that people that are affected by those issues are at the forefront of creating those solutions and we enable that change. I think that's where United Way is really helping to transform that kind of work. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950. Food Freedom Radio, where we plant and nourish the seeds of change. I'm Laura Hedlund, and we're talking about the food system. With us is Lindsay Bacher. She's with the um, Wilder Foundation. Uh, Alisa Banks with United with Greater Twin Cities United Way, and um, Mia Ulysses with um, Northside Fresh Coalition. And I wanted to kind of point out earlier there, there's this great TED Talk from Jaron Leonard, and his TED Talks from April. 2018. I know this could seem like a jump, but he has this beautiful thing on how we need, what we need to do to remake the internet. And in the video, he shares that one of the reasons why we have so much negative social media, and he has really good explanations as to why there's so much negative. He was saying it's easier to pass the negative, but, and, and the importance for us to create positive messages and Appetite for Change has one of the best videos on a good fill video that went viral. So you want to talk about that? Yes. Yeah. So our, our Grow Food video um, was something that was conceptualized by our youth at Appetite for Change, I believe, in um, the fall of 2016, right when I was starting. And um, I was setting up my office space and you know, the youth would come in after school and you could tell that there was like something on their brain and they're just storming <laughs> something together and they're sitting there, you know, like spitting out rhymes. And then all of a sudden, you know, a couple of weeks later, you see someone coming in with their, their equipment to um, record a song. And uh, it was just like this really beautiful uh, collaboration and um, the idea that we can make music that has a message that we know uh, we need to send out into our community, which is, you know, taking a look at what you're putting in your body. Um, where is it coming from? Um, how are you getting it? Um, encouraging just the, the increase of, you know, putting fresh fruits and vegetables in your body, but also, you know, playing it in a tune that makes sense for our community. You know, um, the black community loves like hip hop. We have a strong, rich cultural roots in, in a variety of types of music, but 
this was just like a banging trap song that really got the teenagers going. <laughs> and it got so much attention, didn't it? It did. What, what, tell us a little bit about that. So we made a music video, and um, the music video was set on the north side, and it had different um, clips from inside our cafe, um, where we had one of our founders, Princess Titus, was tied up as a lunch lady <laughs> in our freezer, and we had people... Um, talking about the fast food restaurants that are um, on the north side and just looking at um, an alternative option and proposing an alternative option in a way that is digestible and sounds great. And it really just took off and it was viral. And I mean, that's what we wanted. We want to see. We want to see this be elevated um, to a point where people are making we had um, youth making videos, cover videos with their parents and with their schools and posting them on YouTube. Um, and so it was really amazing to see the impact that this video has had because well, our, our youth a, are really I mean, true. it is such a feel-good, but it's such a win-win. Now, we're also going to have Green Garden Bakery with us. but So tell us a little bit about the Green Garden Bakery program. You yeah, yeah. Well, so before I go to Green Garden Bakery, sure. I mean, I just want to highlight that if you haven't seen this video, <laughs> you are behind the times. Okay? <laughs> so if you want to be cool, Catch up. go ahead and check out Grow Food uh, on YouTube because it is a very powerful video. I mean, I think you guys got like press from like celebrities in like LA or something. Yeah, like, didn't you get I a mean, shout out from like Colin Kaepernick? Or yeah, we, wow. uh, we actually received, um, he had done this big. Um, um, amazing um, grant, I guess, grant making process about a year ago, and we were one of the recipients of some of his funding. Um, and so, yeah, we've we've gotten a lot of, of great press. We've had an opportunity to um, bring our youth to perform in Boston um, at the Community Food Systems Conference last December. They've been down to Louisiana. Um, so it's really um, amazing to be able to um Bring them to places, have experiences, and, and show the world uh, what we're made of. And you know what I, I really love about not just the video itself, um, but it's 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 really an opportunity to tell a new story about the change that's happening in North Minneapolis. I think North Minneapolis gets a bad rap. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I really do. And I've heard it on so many other um, media channels historically about you know, this low-income neighborhood that is just full of crime and violence. I mean, let me tell you, if you haven't been over to the north side lately, things are changing, and they're changing dramatically. And I think it's organizations like Appetite for Change, Wilder with their Ten Cities Mobile Market, the North Market Project that's, um, you know, driven by uh, Pillsbury United Communities, Green Garden Bakery. There are some really cool things that are happening on the north side. And it's up and coming, and there are some amazing, dedicated people that are living there, that are residents there, that are you know, trying Michael to make with Project yeah, Sweetie trying Pie. to make yeah. their neighborhood a better place, and yeah. you know, I think that is, um, you know, indicative of the kind of great culture that we have here in, in Minnesota and in the Twin Cities is that you know people want to be able to step up and make change, and when they're sort of given that permission or allowed that opportunity, they can really advance a lot of cool things. Um, and I think this this message of like sort of negative social media plays out a lot, and there's a lot of really amazing yeah. things that are happening. Um, in North Minneapolis. Green Garden Bakery, for example, is another really cool project that um, is one of the grantees that's in the Full Lives portfolio that's um, supported by um, Greater Twin Cities United Way through generous support from the General Mills Foundation. But they are a really eco-conscious young group of um, 
people that are living uh, in Heritage Park neighborhood, which is one of many neighborhoods in North Minneapolis, that came together to really decide, you know, how do we start our own business and create really healthy, affordable products that, you know, people can buy. Um, they create these cool things called um, green tomato cakes. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. like the yeah. most delicious baked good you've ever eaten. I want to eat about 10 of them. Uh-huh. Um, and they're healthy, you know, and, and as they produce these products, you know, they're also really conscious of sort of the environmental impact that they're having with the creation of the products. And they're just, you know, a, a group of young people that are wanting to make change and are making that change on their own. Um, and I, you know, I think it's important to check them out because, um, you know, they're getting a lot of really cool press and, um, I, press yeah, yeah, you can it's check them out at the viral. farmer's market market as well, you know? And so these are, you know, that's one example, um, really great example of, again, these amazing organizations and groups of people across the North Minneapolis area that are really transforming the food environment. Well, and right now our food system operates in an economic paradigm that at, that at best is amoral at best. But at worst, it's uh, it's acidifying our oceans. It's creating dead zones. It's depleting the soil. A lot of our soil, a lot of our food, our food is actually getting less nutrition. So the idea of actually growing vegetables, having our own businesses, and creating that has so many positive impacts. Um, like, it just... I don't know if anyone wants yeah, to pop in here. Absolutely. And I would turn it over to, to my colleagues. But I would say, you know, when we think about food systems transformation, we can't just solely look at, you know, one single aspect of the food system, whether it's food access, right? You know, how people go about purchasing and accessing food. We also have to look about look at how it connects to the broader community and economic environment in a neighborhood. How does it connect to the environment, um, the soil quality. We have to look at it from a really holistic perspective. And I think that's what, you know, we're trying to do with the Full Lives Grant Program is really creating a kind of robust cohort of organizations and projects that are really the leading change makers in this space to come together to, you know, really advance the the environment to another level. Um, and I would say Twin Cities Mobile Market is really, as well as Appetite for Change and Northside Fresh are really at the forefront of that work. Well, and I was just thinking of an example from a grantee meeting we had last week. So um, someone from Green Garden Bakery was like, I need 20,000 pounds of zucchini for a bake project. Um, and someone from Appetite for Change was like, let's talk about that. I, we can hook you up with some of our farmers. Um, we can figure out how to make this work. Let's figure out how to keep um, the produce that we're growing in North Minneapolis, you know, use it for projects in North Minneapolis to feed the people there. And so I think one of the benefits of this United Way project is being able to collaborate on different things and being all at the same table. It's really been a benefit to be an environment where we're not competing against one another for resources, but given the space and opportunity to um, really think differently about how to work together. Right. And so I I read it. I think it was a Wilder thing. It's all about creating wealth that sticks or economic flow. So the dollars are in instead of the extractive model that just takes money out of a community. Like if you're buying at a fast food restaurant, you know, who gets whatever dollars? How do you make the dollars circle in the community? Like I'm growing your zucchini. I'm buying your zucchini. I'm making bakery mm-hmm. goods. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's it, it sounds kind of little, but it is such a revolutionary act. Mm-hmm. I think that that's, there's something to say about um, building wealth from a consumer perspective and that standpoint of, okay, you're building a business, 
Um, you're getting yourself out of poverty. You're creating a, a viable and sustainable future for you and your families. Um, but something that I've um, been really intrigued with the last, I say, year and a half um, is the concept of organizational wealth. And, and that goes and, and speaks to your point, Lindsay and Alyssa, about collaborative partnership. So instead of us each getting a grant separately and letting that work and the effort kind of bleed out because we're sitting here in our silos doing our work on our own, expecting that we're going to create large systemic change and transform the food system all as our, our own on our one you know, team, we're looking at how can we create projects that are collaborative in terms of um, staff time or in terms of resources. How do we interweave um, the plans that we have and the visions that we have in the future so that we're getting closer and closer together and more and more tight-knit so that we are actually working towards creating that self-reliant and that sustainable food system uh, that works for the people on the north side and the greater Twin Cities area. And I think that that's also um, a version of, of wealth, is not letting um, that competition and not letting that pride um, and that um, desire to be successful all in your one organization or institution or business um, overtake the greater good for the community, which is... Um, that it requires a lot of work and collaboration to achieve. Distributed wealth, because um, there, there's an abundance of, of credit. There's abundance of needs and work that's required. So there's a lot to a lot of work that needs to get done. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I think that there there has been a lot of work that's been happening, right? So we, we can't just look at this and say, oh, you know, you know we're, we're making the change right now. This change has been happening for the last five to 10 years. And so I think where, you know, these organizations are at today is a result of the good work and the leadership and the, the activism that has been uh, really embedded in the North Minneapolis community for decades. And to that end, the fact that people are able to visualize and see some of those changes right now, I think is a credit to many people that have come before us. And so I just, you know, want to acknowledge that, um, you know, we are continuing to build off of really good work that's been happening, and we hope that other people come out and, and support it. I mean, I think there's so many great ways to engage with um, this cohort of grantees. I mean, Mia mentioned already, like, Appetite for Change. You can go down and have brunch at their cafe. It's fabulous. <laughs> go shopping on the bus at Twin Cities Mobile Market and order some green tomato cakes from Green Garden Bakery. You know, there's also the Neon Food Business Incubator Program, which is awesome. They're, you know, we talk about the economic aspect of food systems and community development. And, you know, we have to be able to support people to create wealth and create jobs. And Neon is doing phenomenal work in building the capacity of small businesses to start their own, you know, catering companies. Yeah. And so we need to, we need to patronize them. we need to support them. sane and kind jobs. Yeah. And jobs that are sane and kind to the natural world and to the people living in it and to the all animals. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. We'll be back for our last... Women in the kitchen, women in the kitchen. So welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plant the seeds of change. I'm Laura Headline, and we've been having a dynamic conversation about the food system and how do we make it better. Um, and so let's um, let's talk. We've got a lot of events going on, so let's let's get into some of the events going on and can round round robin table any events you'd like to promote. Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to add that you know, uh, United Way historically has played this role, sort of looking at systems, right? And so how do we support a particular systems issue or a sector? And our work in 
the area of food insecurity has been, um, you know, really important for the last 10 years or so. Um, you know, f and I just want to say that, you know, we've been having a lot of really great impact with that between 2016 and 2017. Through our agency partnerships, we were able to, you know, distribute over 20 million pounds of food. Um, you know, we support people to access SNAP outreach um, and education so that they can get access to the important federal nutrition programs that they're eligible for. Uh, and, you know, we also bring people together across different sectors, much like Lindsay and Mia were talking about, about coming together to collaborate. And I think that's really an important role that United Way plays as a, um, you know, community partner and funder in this space. We um, are currently doing some really cool stuff at United Way to really raise people's awareness about who's hungry in the Twin Cities area. And, you know, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about how hunger and poverty impact people and um, some stigma associated with that. And we're trying to really dispel some of those myths. And well, that stigma, I mean, we can talk about mental health too, yeah. but that stigma is just not sane and kind to say the least. Oh, I absolutely mean, and, not. And as, it's crazy. It's as, crazy. Because I mean, if you're working full time and taking home $350 a week and your rent is $1,000 a month, and then we're going to add stigma on top of it? I mean... Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? And I think, you know, that's why raising people's awareness and educating them about the solutions that are out there to dispel that stigma, the solutions that are out there to help to support issues that, you know, resolve the problem um, are really important. And so um, United Way has been doing a couple of really great and exciting events. Last, um, last week, we we um, worked with Landa Lakes and a number of really important um, partners and corporations across the metro area to come together for an amazing volunteer event to pack 6,000 kits um, with, uh, you know, staple pantry supplies and other um, snacks for kids in the summer months uh, that would be distributed through many of our um, emergency food shelf providers. We are also doing a really cool event that um, will be at the end of the month on June 26th at Finnegan's Brewers Den in downtown Minneapolis, um, partnering with organizations like the Food Group, Pillsbury United Communities, and Loaves and Fishes to discuss innovative um, strategies and ways that they are uh, transforming the food system as well with their work. And so um, you can sign up to attend. I think it'll be a really fun event. There'll be food and drinks, and um, you can come and hear the good work that they're doing and all kinds of innovative ways that um, organizations are really transforming this issue. Awesome. And then, Mia, you want to do a shout-out for the Herb Agri and Agriculture Yes, so there's an Urban Food Systems Symposium, so a conference on food systems work uh, in urban areas taking place at the University of Minnesota this year in August. It's from August 8th through 11th. Uh, there will be some really awesome, amazing uh, pre-conference tours on Wednesday and the conference on Thursday and Friday. And um, just a lot of people that are, are blazing trails in urban agriculture um, and other types of food systems related work in urban areas. And uh, this is in uh, partnership with, I believe it's Kansas State University and the University of Minnesota. Uh, so this is really unique. Uh, I've personally never been to a conference just on urban food systems. So I'm really uh -huh. excited. I'm to excited. Meet we had them others. on. So if you go on the Food Freedom Facebook, uh, the AM 950's Food Freedom Radio, you can listen. We did a whole hour show on the symposium because it is exciting. Yes, it's, it's awesome. And uh, we're actually, Northside Fresh Coalition is hosting a tour, a community food systems tour uh, in partnership with United Way on Saturday. So it'll run um, maybe six hours from morning till um, early afternoon. 
And really what it's about is, is showing those that are coming in for this conference as well as those um, that are interested in the Twin Cities area who can pick up a ticket um, to learn about the amazing work that's happening on the north side. Um, this isn't something where we're saying, oh, poor woe is us. We're here uh, having a food desert and we don't have food. We're saying, hey, we're doing awesome work and we want you to see the work that we're doing because we're blazing trails and we're really leading this work in the, um, the urban food systems area. And so we'll have amazing partners um, from Northside Fresh Coalition um, that will be there to highlight their work and details are to come. But um, cool. you can pick up a ticket if you go on the website. Um, you can purchase a ticket separately for the tour or you can attend the conference in its entirety as well. It, it's an awesome tour. Um, uh, Lindsay, did you want to? Yeah. So the Wilder Foundation is having a block party. We want to invite all of our community members to just come and hang out in our backyard and the Twin Cities mobile market will be there. So to kind of get to that point of stigmatization, um, anybody can come and shop. You don't have to provide, you know, you don't have to be poor enough to come shop. You don't have to be rich enough to come shop. You can just come and get um, get some really good food. And so that's on August 11th um, at the Weiler Foundation. We're in, in St. Paul in the corner of Lexington and University. Great. We're down to like our last three minutes. And I, I just want to do a shout out. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm looking for um, lazy good food recipes, you know, because <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the one thing that was kind of sad is I haven't seen any Marnocks yet in the yard. I've, I've got tons. Of, I know it's really. So we really need a food system that's respectful of people, all people, but also respectful of water and soil and the living world. And somehow I think those two connect, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and so so how do we how do we do that? How do we have it in the current food system? isn't doing that. So how do we kind of rise up to create something? And that's what I see this as about. Yeah. I mean, I, I think first and foremost, it starts with people's awareness and education about what the issues are and how they themselves contribute to that or help to solve it. Right. I mean, right. there is a personal kind of accountability responsibility aspect to it. If you don't know what you don't know how, do you know, how do you know, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, I think all of us eat food. All of us need to go to grocery stores and buy food. All of us, you know, take advantage of the, the natural world by, you know, patronizing our parks, maybe visiting our lakes and our rivers during the summertime. And we're all part of this natural environment. And I think when we start to pause and reflect on how we exist in this world and how we, you know, access different things and our own contributions or, um, you know, support for those things play into um, the, the health and well-being of, of the broader food system and the environment. I think that's where you start to be able to open up those opportunities for change. Exactly. Yes. I, and this is something that just to your, your point, I mean, it's about water and the air and um, those that are living on this earth as humans and animals and insects. And it's not just about the, the food system, the way that we think about it, where, you know, there's a farmer and someone's growing food and it's going to a, a grocery store or a food shelf, but also um, looking at the amazing work that, say, the city of Minneapolis has been doing with bees knees on increasing pollinator patches in the University of Minnesota, um, choosing to uh, keep prairies um, untouched and, and not using any kind of um, neonicotinoids or any kind of um, spraying on um, land that could be used as pollinator-friendly um, habitats. So it's really interwoven. It, 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 we can go on a lot. I appreciate all your time. We were talking with uh, Lindsay Bacher from uh, The Wilder, um, Alisa Banks from The United Way, and Mia Ulysses. Um, 
from uh, Northside Fresh, and you've been listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Minnesota.